There we go. Cool. Right, nice one. Not tonight. You're not on the list. Hello, I'm Connor McLoon and welcome to the new podcast, You're Not On The List, where I interview and dive deep into the lives of those in the music industry. From label owners to festival organisers and from A&R to marketing and PR, we take a look at the early life and careers of those in the scene. My guest this week is head of press and marketing at the prestigious and iconic Ram Records. A fellow raver and drum and bass fanatic, it's Hannah Helbert. During this episode, we touch on what goes into a successful press campaign, what new platforms have popped up to promote your work over the last few years, and both of us discuss how the music industry can have an impact on your mental health. Hannah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very, very well. Very well. It's Friday, Friday evening, Friday afternoon, weekends ahead, starting to get a little bit lighter outside. Weather's nicer, isn't it? It's Spring's on the way. Summer vibes. Yeah, it's very summer vibes today, even though it's not even... Well, it it is technically spring, right, at the moment. It is. uh, I think I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward to that June date. June 21st, isn't it? June yeah. 21st is the golden <laughs> yeah. date that we're that everyone that has been missing out on live music and live events and raves and festivals and shows is looking forward to. June the 21st, when everything can come back. How have you found lockdown at the moment? I mean, it's, it, I've had different answers from everyone, so it, it might sound yeah. like a silly question, but... It's been okay. Like, um, I'm one of those people, like, I just need to be busy constantly, which can actually lead to burnout, which is something that I discovered sort of midway through last year. Um, there is just this thing where you try and do too much at once. Like you're like juggling work and then you're working out and then you're doing things like Duolingo and then you're trying to chill out by watching Netflix. And yeah, it's crazy. Like I did tend to um, almost like push myself too much to fill my time. So now I've just taken a step back and I just make sure that I sort of have two days off like every couple of months or I've got like a period um, between a weekend and the start of the week where I can just kind of have a bit more zen and yeah not feel like I have to fill all of my time all the time if that makes sense. Do you know what it's actually a really good idea like where a lot of people are working from home and where most people would book a holiday off because they're going on holiday or would book a holiday off because they're going to actually do something it's really sensible like you've just said there to like book two days off in a month or book a usually day of your holiday in the month midweek just to have the balance of both I suppose isn't it? Yeah because I I think with music as well um, like a lot of professions it can be like a 24-7 job sometimes like you can be attached to your phone and then not being in an office on top of that, you're kind of sat at home. If you're bored, you can feel that time sort of answering emails or looking bits up that you need to. Um, yeah, and you can sort of extend your hours without realising it just because you're bored. And again, like you need that time off. It's so, so important to have that time off. You know, I, I do think there's this like grind culture, which I don't think is uh, very healthy a lot of the time. And especially sort of during a pandemic as well, I think it's important to sort of give yourself some space and to chill out. So where we're sort of coming to, well, I don't know, like the end of the, the third lockdown now at the pandemic, uh, like we said there, June 21st, all guns are blazing at the moment and sort of events have gone into into back into gear again and everyone's putting out their labels and ticket sales and stuff like that. Did you feel like at the start of the lockdown, as working as head of price and marketing at a label, did you feel like there was a change in workflow or like a change in workload where events did stop and where sort of maybe everything was sort of put on hold slightly yeah it was crazy um it was very worrying actually 
especially with a lot of the publications I work for, like some of these people I've worked with for years and years now, either having their hours cut or again, being put on furlough and having their jobs up in the air. Um, yeah, it was it was really hard to know what direction sort of PR was going in as obviously without the press, there's no PR. And where I do marketing as well, um, there was a big gap that kind of needed to be filled. Um, and as a team, especially at RAM, we kind of sat down together and discussed our course of action, like what were we going to do um, to fill the gap of events as well for example um, we had our live stream series which was really successful and it was great and we had so many different acts like non-ram acts as well like everybody on board that gave us something to really put our energy into which like massively helped uh, especially like my mental health as well um, over that period and I think everyone else on the team as well just so that we had a project and we felt like we could give people space to like enjoy the music obviously it's not going to fill that gap that events have left but it, it did give us something to look forward to every Saturday, which I think, yeah, that was just so important to do. So for those people that weren't aware, Ram did a live stream series on YouTube, didn't they? So you sort of got several several producers and over like an eight hour period, they would do an hour set. How does something like that sort of get organized from your perspective or from, from the label's end? Because I assume that they're not doing the sets live, are they? Are they pre-recorded and then stitched together? Yeah, they're pre-recorded and stitched together. We did think about doing, well, obviously like a live, live stream, but um, it's one of those things where people have got different internet connections. I don't know if you sort of experienced it from your end. It seemed that as soon as lockdown started everyone's internet got so much worse especially if you're in a house and you're all sort of sharing and everyone's working from home and it becomes really difficult so we wanted a way that it was sort of accessible for everyone to get involved so people didn't need like a super high speed internet or you know they could just record it at home or we also did it so uh, people could just send in like mp3 mixes and we got visuals made up so we contacted like our entire like dj database and we also um, put some social posts out so that uh, fans could also get involved as well. And everyone that we spoke to delivered a mix um, if they were able to or if they had the time to. And we curated, like you would an event, we create uh, curated lineups for, I don't know how many weeks we did it for. I think it was like 13 or 14 weeks. And yeah, it was great. It was, it was really great to get involved with. And you had, it was cool as well because you had like the chat box and you had all the same people getting involved in the chat and then you started recognizing names and it became a little community which we then moved on to a, a discord as well um which is a platform that I'd like not used before 2020. But yeah, it's something that I check quite regularly now. So it's sort of just keeping up to date and rolling with the punches, I suppose, of lockdown and um, adapting to the to the current circumstances. And like you said, being able to put out content, being able to keep stuff up to date, not making sure that you're dormant and still keeping stuff out, even though events aren't going on. Uh, so it's just keeping, like you said, that connection with the audience really going. Yeah, yeah. And just sort of giving people a platform to stay busy as well to kind of create like a sense of community even though we're not there together physically Anna and the rest of the Ram Records team may have kept busy during lockdown but I wanted to find out what had turned her onto drummer bass in the beginning and what fueled a career in the press 
that's what you were doing uh, during this current lockdown. But if we were to take it back to the beginning and back to your beginning, what were your earliest experiences and memories with music? So I grew up in a small town called Basingstoke, just 40 miles out of London. So I didn't really have like access to like the big raves and the big events. But when I was sort of like under 16, uh, my dad would take me to gigs, like various gigs, um, go stand in the back with like uh, 0% alcohol beer and then sort of drive us like we'd go to like Southampton or Portsmouth and then as I got a bit older must have been about like 16 17 um I was under 18 we used to have this place called Bang Bar um just near the train Basingstoke train station and every now and again they'd like set up rigs in this tiny tiny little like grotty venue um and they'd be like blasting drum and bass yeah and I think like that's sort of my earliest memories we had like Basingstoke Live as well which was a free festival and we had people like uh, Andy C and Scratch Perverts. So they'd be uh, down playing, which was sick. So you could go watch them for free. And that all sort of shut off before midnight. And then I moved to London for uni when I was 18. And then from there, I just sort of discovered like all the different sh- uh, subgenres of drum and bass. Like I've always been like massively into my dance music, but it was like, I'd always loved drum and bass, but it was just part of like this massive bubble for me. And then when I got to to London like I was going to like the Renegade Hardware Nights and like the Shogun and the Ram and the Hospitalities and those kind of events and obviously players at Fabric as well it just massively like opened my eyes um, and I just loved I loved all of it like all the different subgenres. and so what do you think it was about drum and bass sort of as a whole that attracted you to it originally I guess the en- like it's just the energy isn't it it's just the energy of the whole genre and the people involved as well it's it just feels like a really grassroots thing and yeah every everyone involved that I've met through drum and bass is just wicked like it's that community vibe I feel like I was like really attracted to so you mentioned some of the um you mentioned some of the sub labels there so you've got sort of Shogun you've got players recordings do you feel that there are different periods in time where certain styles of drum and bass, so if we were to get specific like Neuro or Jungle or Jump Up or Liquid or stuff like that, do you think that they have different eras where they're the most prominent and popular or do you think that there's always one that will stand out more than the rest? I think... Um... The beauty of like a place like London is that you can have everything bubbling at the same time. I do feel like there's like a particular uh, subgenres which sort of like become super popular for about 18 months and then something else will come along and um, especially things like neuro or like jump up and like there's the sort of like one note baseline sort of sound at the moment um, and everywhere kind of like has its place. So you think there's a good community with the, uh, with the people that work in it and obviously the DJs and the crowd and stuff as well. Well, it's like a nice a nice energy you mentioned there that you moved to london and that's sort of where the uh where the takeoff was for being able to go to events and drum and bass events what was your route sort of into the pr and press and marketing side of of music that led you there um so I always wanted to work in music. It's just been like, for me, the one passion that's just sort of stayed with me. Um, my dad in particular, like had so many records and um, he always used to like tape Pete Tong's show on a Friday and we'd like listen to the tapes um, in the car when we'd be driving places. And it just like really stuck with me. 
And I just thought that's really something that I'd want to get involved with. And whether it was like radio or press or PR, I just wanted to be involved in like pushing music that I really loved. And I started like writing for like small publications um, and like doing various internships kind of like where I could. And one of them in particular was Base Explorer. Yeah, it was just getting all the promos through and, you know, getting like my articles shared by like people like Andy C and just showing that there is like community and there's this like shared love of the genre. And yeah, it just... I was just hammering Ram um, on Twitter, trying to get a response out of them, like offering to do bits of press and uh, seeing if there was like a gap that I could kind of plug for them in the office. And I think it was Ray, actually, that Ray, who used to work there, gave me a shot. After that, I worked the internship whilst I was doing my degree, um, which was difficult. It was super hard because obviously you've got to pay your bills as well, right? And I was working nights doing my dissertation and doing my internship. And I was like, oh my God, if this doesn't pay off. But luckily it did pay off. And that's just kind of how I found myself like in amongst everything at RAM. And yeah, like RAM, like the RAM nights, especially at places like um, Electric Brixton and just the lineup was just great. It just had everything that I wanted. So I always had like Ram just in my head as the place that I'd really like to sort of move to. Did you have any sort of like um, any backup? If it, if it didn't go if it didn't go all accordingly and if you didn't get the uh, the job at Ram no it was, no. I was I was working at Boots at the time um and like in my head it was just sort of like yeah just you just. I just needed to push myself. And I, th- I think I would have found another avenue. Like I was so determined. I would have found another avenue in at, at some point into like the music and drum and bass. But yeah, I, I never like thinking about it. I never really had a backup. I was like, this is just what I want to do. And like, I couldn't imagine my life now, like not working on music that I loved every day. We, we talked about just at the start about how maybe potentially sometimes working in in media and PR is not a standard nine to five job. And sometimes you have to work outside the the traditional working hours. How have you seen your job change across the last 12 months with with lockdown and with uh, sort of a lack of events and now going full steam ahead back into organising events? It's kind of crazy because with music, um, it, it just changes all the time. Like you get different platforms sort of pop up. And like when I first started at RAM, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on um, people like Spotify, for example, and there's obviously been this like massive shift and another good example which has changed for platforms like Spotify is doing like premieres a lot closer to release day and not having like before about sort of five years ago I do a premiere like six weeks out from release and now it's like the day before of release and it's just changed so and like it's just this like immediacy culture so you do kind of like adapt to how fast things change so um to be honest I've always kind of got my ear on the ground anyway so it's just being able to like yeah like really adapt your workflow um and finding ways around obstacles and this was a massive obstacle obviously for everybody and yeah it it was a lot harder than just say something like a, a new platform like popping up but at the same time um you just had to do it 
we just had to manoeuvre with the times. So let's touch on uh, a music premiere there, as you just mentioned. So for those people that aren't aware, a music premiere, much like a film premiere or something like that, is you're, you're showcasing a new piece of work, so a track, an album, something new before the official release date. Um, what do you think it is about, what do you think it is that made those timeframes shrink down so much over the last few years where, like you said before, you'd put a premiere out on a track, maybe Radio 1, somewhere six weeks before the official release. And now, like you said, you're doing it the day before because the, the audience want it and there's that that immediacy for wanting it there. Is it just because the consumers are like, oh, fuck, like, I want to be able to stream it. I want to be able to download it as soon as I want to be able to buy it. I think that is part of the reason and um, sort of for better or worse, like I think attention spans have got a lot shorter with social media and um, yeah there is this immediacy culture like if you think about before like you had like dub plates and you would hear a record going around for months and everyone would want the track and it I don't think that that's been totally lost like for example our plates uh, project with Calix and TB um, is sort of about going back to those roots and like hammering a tune out at clubs months before the release date so we like sort of create yeah we like create this want for the record without giving it away straight away because people are at the clubs and they're like what is this and I do think that that does kind of get lost nowadays um with like so much access to things and even things like live streams and like being able to hear things so quickly like things like uh, mix you know when people cut mixes and upload it and yeah it's kind of it's like difficult to please that as well so it is good, like impact dates have changed so much. Um, and it, it, it has its pluses and its minuses, like... Do you know what I mean? I do. It's, it's, it's drum and bass in particular and sometimes grime, I would say... Uh, yeah those are the sort of main two i would say genres that have have sort of still that dub plate culture if you're going to a live set or if you're going to a rave if we were watching a mix online and there's a certain track for people that don't know which is like a dub plate which means that only a selected number of of artists have it or it's literally been cut onto vinyl or cut onto wax and there's been a certain number of these copies made um it means that there's restricted uh that 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 release is restricted i'd say it's most prominent probably in drum and bass uh sometimes in grime i wouldn't say necessarily like in in house or in techno or stuff like that there's not really that culture of fuck what is that tune oh shit we're not going to get that released for like years or sometimes they don't even get released yeah i definitely say that that's a very very prominent thing in drum and bass do you think that do you think that with as someone that works in press and marketing like the importance of spotify across a couple of the other interviews that i've done is like it is essential now it is like getting onto us getting onto certain playlists getting onto certain taste is like a taste maker it's like the equivalent of, of getting onto like animax uh, track of the week or onto another sort of bit of radio play would you would you echo that with that thought or do you think that it's not necessarily as essential as that i don't think it's sort of the be all and end all I do think it's important but it kind of depends on what kind of angle you're coming from like I know a lot of artists who don't get any Spotify love um, a lot of like more underground artists but they've got such like a grassroots following um, that you know like prior to COVID or even like hopefully post-COVID in like like June time and onwards um, they're still getting the bookings and you know they get a lot of love on social media and they have like such hardcore fans that I think it will be eventually um, impossible for Spotify to ignore them so I don't think that it's absolutely essential but um, it's, it's definitely important. And when you say sort of Spotify ignore them there do you mean that they're not necessarily getting added to certain playlists or do you mean that the their music because i suppose like 
if someone might say if they were if they had like an underground following or if they had like a hardcore following and their music was on Spotify that they would still get the streams and the plays and the listens because people would be listening and streaming and streaming and playing it. I think I get what you mean. I think I get what you mean. Like they're still getting the plays because people are being directed to their Spotify, whether or not they're in the playlists to begin with, because they've kind of got that following, right? Yeah. So like, because I, yeah. I, I, like, as someone that doesn't put anything, not obviously, I don't make tunes. I've never put them on Spotify. I, I would think, right, if if an artist or an act is popular and they're they're already popular off of Spotify, then they they would already have the streams and they'd already have the popularity and like it's not really going to matter too much about Spotify playlists. Like I'm only going from interviews that I've done previously with people where I've suddenly realised like oh shit, a lot of people are saying that sometimes that it can be it can be you can get an average artist or someone that's got average sort of streams and they get added to one or two playlists that certain people are trying to work towards and get their artists onto and it suddenly makes all the difference and they've got loads and loads of streams and like that's obviously more revenue in the manager's pocket and the label's pocket. Yeah, I I, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's like what what is success like what metric do you use to measure success for example um is it streams is it the amount of bookings that you get is it like your social followings um is it how much press you get as well like who interviews you and I think like campaign wise it's good to get like sort of get everything that you can um I think that's a great way to push yourself forward. But like, I wouldn't want an artist who isn't getting the playlist love on Spotify and might not be getting the streams to feel like they're not successful, even though they're playing like wicked gigs every weekend and, you know, they love what they do and, you know, they're in it for the music. And yeah, it's just difficult. Like it is difficult to like measure like success as an artist. With PR and marketing campaigns changing from month to month and from artist to artist, it can be difficult to measure their success. I wanted to find out how Hannah measures the hits and misses. As someone that works in press and marketing now, what do you class as a successful campaign? Like how do you measure success in your industry? It's difficult. Like A successful campaign for me is getting an artist in the publications that we've spoken about like as as a team um and getting like really cool features as well like it might not necessarily be like the biggest magazine or the biggest blog with the biggest following but if you get like one of the like grassroots um mags or blogs and it's like a really wicked in-depth piece about this artist you'll find that a lot of people are like drawn to that and it can sort of create like its own momentum on its own because it's being shared in like the hardcore like um Facebook groups where people are like super into the music like reading all the interviews like there's there's stuff like on the RAM Discord for example like I'll be chatting away to like somebody who's like a big fan of like DC Breaks for example and they'll ask me a question and I'm like where did they read like where did they read about that And it's like this person's like scoured the internet or like the AMAs, the Reddit AMAs that we do. They've like read through like however many, like hundreds of comments and they're like reading everything. And yeah, again, it's like it's it's difficult to measure. Like obviously you want a record to sell well, but at the same time you want to create, you want to create a lot of like interest around the artist as well, which can be just as valuable for getting bookings and stuff like that. 
which is where a lot of the like realistically that's where a lot of the real money is at the moment is the bookings do you think that anything will have changed in a post-covid world with regard to press and marketing at a music label like do you think that there'll be less emphasis on say like events or like event reviews or will you try to sort of like get coverage in more i suppose where you've said there the answer previously is that coverage if in a in a niche blog or a niche website that is dedicated to a music platform and has all these really heavy heads in there that are really thorough with their knowledge in that is better than sort of like a national newspaper type thing um not kind of like it, it all depends on the campaign really like it all depends like it would be good to be able to tick off both but sometimes that's not possible um, I would like to see a lot more coverage of events. I would like to see that because they've really suffered, especially the promoters, the artists, first of all, and then the promoters and the venues. And it would be great if like collectively everyone could like really like zero in and give them like a massive push. I do hope that things like press has been changing a lot anyway, especially like over the last five years. And it's, it's just being able to like monetize it. So from the press's situation, it's been about more trying to monetize it i think the internet hasn't it's like helped in some ways and in other ways it's like hindered that so do you feel um where where stuff has been more freely available and widely available i understand what you mean about the monetization thing like that even though it's 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 ups and downs there's everything's a lot more accessible and people might be able to discover new artists and discover new tracks and go back through the time but from a press perspective monetizing articles monetizing videos monetizing other bits and bobs like that has become more difficult so it's more difficult to make money talking on the press side of thing because i haven't had the chance to ask anybody this yet that i've interviewed how without naming specific names uh because you probably wouldn't want to but how do you deal if you've had to in the past with negative press um yeah i have and at the end of the day like my position it might not be the position of every pr but i think it's well within their right to write what they believe is true for them especially like from a press perspective they're supposed to give like a balanced view of all the music they're receiving right so you can't really take somebody's opinion away from them and there's only been like a couple of instances and it's not been like straight up it's not been straight up negative it's just been a bit like neutral so yeah there's not I I think working in PR can can be very difficult maybe not so much in terms of dealing with negative press but sometimes mediating a bit between press and maybe the label and what sort of specific messaging people want to get out and obviously for press they're the ones sort of writing and you're pitching music to them for their perspective on it like a unique perspective right so um there needs to be a balance between what the label wants and also how press want to sort of get their voice across if that makes sense yeah it's about it it's about sometimes making sure that like everybody's happy which isn't always achievable definitely uh yeah i can imagine that like you said you you can you're sort of delivering the product and the product like the, whatever the media is if it's an event or if it's an artist interview or if it's a track or anything like that and you can only like you you're just delivering it and packaging it and at the end of the day like you said they they're well within the rights to, to to say anything that they like about it hopefully it's going to be something positive hopefully it's going to be something nice hopefully it's going to be good press but like you said you can't i suppose people can't uh can't really decide what, um what is what is judged against it at that time what do you think uh would surprise people about working in music press and working in marketing that they might not be aware of i was trying to think of um yeah I was, I was trying to think of an answer to this question and it's not 
massively like I think everyone thinks it's super glamorous which I'm sure it is for some people but um yeah I I think sometimes it can be viewed as like you're going for like big sushi dinners which I'm sure some PR companies can sort of do for people but a lot of the time it is just networking like going to events meeting new people and chatting about music which for me is better like I'd have that over sushi dinners like any day of the week um it's quite like it's a great like it's a great job and I love it but um yeah I I would guess like it's not as glamorous as it's kind of made out to be sometimes so I suppose one of the the benefits that sort of goes without saying is you'd be able to go to like every Ram record show that there is sort of going on as one of the is that is that correct yeah yeah so yeah okay cool so do you get to enjoy the events while you're there as someone that sort of reps the company and reps uh, reps the brand, do you sort of get to like switch off at a Ram event or is it only sort of other drum and bass shows that you go into that you might be able to be like, right, cool, I can relax here. I can just, I can let my guard down. To be honest, I feel pretty, um, uh, I, I can relax and like sometimes I'll like chat to people about releases or campaigns and stuff. But on the whole, I feel like drum and bass is quite a tight knit community. So I always feel relaxed and I don't feel like I sort of the thing is with me is I like being myself and that's also something that I like putting into the job so everyone I work with like knows me and that's the same person that they'll get at an event for example and yeah I'm like super excited about the music so that will probably come across whether or not I'm at like a work well technically like a work event like a ram event or if I'm at another rave like if I still if I hear a tune I'll do you know what I mean I'll probably shriek at one of my mates whether or not I'm like backstage or like out in the crowd it will just be the same kind of energy and as someone who's worked in the music industry for over five years now what do you wish someone had told you back at the beginning of your journey that you could sort of uh you could take on board I think um have a lot more confidence I think that's so important I think um and not be afraid to sort of speak up on things if you don't think that they're right in terms of the confidence thing as well I think it's really important um to bear in mind that music is something that changes so quickly and everyone else is adapting as well as you so not to be sort of spun out by the fact that you're learning new things all the time and be hungry for it as well don't be intimidated by it and yeah I, I think that's it really some uh, there's some good wise words for people that might be going into the uh, going into the music industry at the moment or might be like applying to their first first jobs at labels or for applying to their first like sort of newspapers or like PR companies or stuff like that so that's something really good for them to uh, to latch onto and take to heart uh, before they start their music career one thing I was going to say there's 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 a there's a few I don't I don't really see it the similar in well maybe in tech house or house but like in the drum and bass scene where you've got sort of players uh, audio uh, ram uh, there sort of seems to be quite big established labels that have been around for a while now so maybe some of like the new house labels or techno labels are relatively ones that are really really popular like big ones that you might name might only say be like eight years old whereas mm. ram was obviously what was it 1991 yeah nearly 30 years crazy nearly 30 years mm. so it was one of the more like established labels do you feel that makes a difference with the label itself like because they've experienced so much they've experienced like releases back on vinyl they've experienced like even to the point of like doing promos on tapes back in the day or like having sets recorded on tapes and like experienced all the different the, the different functions of of uh music do you feel like that's 
made a big impact to your working experience and a big impact to sort of like how things work at RAM? Um, yes and no. Like I, I think there's a lot with social media. I think that there's like a lot of space for new labels to come through. Like there's some wicked labels uh, that have come through super recently. Um, and it's great that it's kind of, there's like a almost like a level, a level playing field now. But at the same time, like a lot of the older labels have seen so many changes over the years again it's like quite easy to adapt but yeah sometimes it can be difficult to like or really like present certain ideas that are new and people get used to working a certain type of way so sometimes it can be difficult like when things change like you need to like move forward with the times and I think that can be hard um when you're used to doing something a certain way for so long um and obviously uh BMG's involvement with RAM has been great because there's so many other labels that they're working with they can give like a unique perspective on stuff can you give us an example of something that bmg sort of i mean you don't necessarily want to give away trade secrets or if it's if it's Mm. too private or hush hush that's fine but is there is there an example of like a cool cool new feature or something interesting that bmg have introduced when they've taken sort of uh, taken ownership of the label yeah i i think um more uh more help around like building spotify profiles has been really great um especially for some of the smaller acts uh like helping them like doing a recce like of their profile and seeing how best to sort of present their music to spotify as well has been really great and just general like insights about dsps so things like uh beatport um spotify apple music that they would have more for uh the artists that do like huge numbers and they can sort of give insights in, into how that was kind of built if that makes sense yeah no, no no that sounds like really good key stuff to bring on board and like you said it's it's new new it's all to do with new platforms so that's really great that they've um that they've managed to help out there what's the first event that you're going to be heading to on june the 21st hannah well maybe not even june the 21st i don't know what day june the 21st is i assume it's a monday uh, so there's probably not going to be any raves on then but what is the first event that you have got lined up for summer oh god i god i can't remember the name of the festival one day in the woods is that the one the one in liverpool uh i should know because i'm living in manchester and i literally have no yeah. idea because it's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's next door is it well it's one day in the woods i have not heard yeah. is it new yeah it's a new festival it's crazy like the lineup new for this year yeah yeah a lot of techno and yeah obviously a lot of drum and bass like this is it? so you're gonna wait a whole you're gonna wait a whole three weeks you know what before, i'll be going to all the like socially distant stuff like i went to um just before lockdown the last lockdown i went to alchemy at the cause which was so good like seeing randall um obviously it's i love randall yeah randall's so randall. sick but like it's just like um yeah it's a different environment but i just need i needed to be in a room with speakers even if it's not like even if you sat at a table so as soon as socially you know distance events are on i'll be straight there I didn't go to any socially distant sort of those, you know, like the sit down, like you've just said there, where yeah. everyone's sitting at tables and you're a group of maximum of six. I didn't go to any of them, so I can't give any opinion or thoughts on them. But how did you feel? Like, I suppose it's better than nothing, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, what's the what's the other alternative? Nothing. You know, there's no live music. Was it just, was it surreal to sort of sit there and like, especially with drum and bass, something that's so energetic and even like regardless of whatever subgenre they're playing or whatever, it's minimum BPM of like 170, 169. Yeah. Like so it's was it weird sitting there, like having to sit down and not get up and dance or not like do anything? God, yeah, it's mad. Like like Alchemy, for example, like seeing Randall and Storm is just like 
yeah, it's the, the energy of their sets, like Storm shows it, and it's just like, you just sort of sat there and you like go to get up and secure security like down down the, to be fair the security at the calls are like really cool so um yeah it was just it's just one of those things and I think with me like I, I don't know like it was just that little bit of light like on a Monday evening or during the day on a Saturday that I just needed to like get through and do you know what I mean? Just like hear some drums, really, and just yeah, yeah. be in a room with loud speakers, even if it was sat down. It's just something, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. I'm trying to think back now to the last event I I fucking went to, and it would be a warehouse project, maybe January. It might have been like the New Year's Day warehouse project. To be fair, so it's been like fuck over a year yeah, now since I've been to any crazy. live event. At the end of each interview, I normally ask if there's anything that my guests would like to cover, just in case we've missed a topic. Anna and myself got talking about how the music industry can impact your mental health. A lot of people suffer with mental health. Everyone has mental health. So it's not necessarily that everyone suffers, but everyone has mental health. And regardless of whatever industry you work in, sometimes it can be tested and sometimes it can be stretched and sometimes it can be damaged. This can be particularly like regular, should we say, in working in the world of music whether you're an artist, whether you're a DJ, whether you work someone that is working backstage with stresses of, like we said, getting coverage or getting events organized or getting tickets sold or getting coverage like that, or whether you're an artist who is touring or whether you're an artist that has been producing and has been uh, putting material out. How do you feel that your mental health has been whilst working in the music industry, Hannah? Well, um, obviously, I think mental health or talking about mental health issues, there's a big stigma around it, um, even within the music industry. And um, I suffer badly from anxiety. And it's something that I've had help with for years and years now. And it's not something that I would talk to people openly um, when I first started working in music, even though like there were certain campaigns that I would really struggle with, not in terms of getting the work done, but like afterwards when I was at home or um, if a problem arose in the office, like it was difficult to vent about that problem in a way that got people to understand. And I started going to a lot of conferences and listening to people speak about mental health. And there were certain individuals that are super successful and work for different foundations that opened up about their own problems with anxiety and hearing them speak and sort of knowing who they are and seeing some of their work. It's it was like really not shocking, but um I was quite sort of taken back that these people were also suffering with um, anxiety quite badly. And it made me feel as if like you're not on your own and that even people who are seen as super successful are also struggling. And it just goes to show that you can't judge what you see or you can't judge someone's mental health just through what you see online. And I felt like it was such a brave conversation to have in front of a, a room like full of your peers um, because of the stigma that surrounds it sometimes. And again, it inspired confidence in people like me to start talking openly about it, um, not being embarrassed if I was sort of having problems with my anxiety one day and just to sort of get more, like encourage more people to talk about it as well. So is that what you think needs doing then really is, is being able to bring the discussion forward? And like you said, they they spoke about it specifically there at, a, at an exhibition or as a platform as a talk. Do you feel like that in the music industry and I suppose the rest of the world really, that we need to open up and being like, look, this is how I feel. This doesn't make me any less of a person. This is what I'm going through at the moment. I just want to be open and honest with you because I feel like that if everyone is open and honest, then you think, oh, fuck me, like, 
we might not feel so bad about like discussing it and we might be able to uh, speak to our colleagues and be like you know what actually after this after this campaign I felt a bit shit or like I was sort of felt difficult to take this or I was slightly anxious about this like do you feel like that what do you feel like sort of needs to be done to uh, to help improve that yeah there needs to be a lot more conversations and people need to feel like they can have honest conversations with people about it especially if they're struggling and with covid too so many people have lost their job everything's just changed like people have lost businesses artists have lost so many bookings and sort of talking to people on an individual level I feel like there needs to be a lot more conversations being had um, about the impact and how people can be helped as well you 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 can feel free to to uh you can feel free to say I don't want to answer that but um did you know, before you went to that talk and before you heard a big artist or a big uh, name discuss about their mental health, what was it you felt like that you couldn't talk about whilst working in like the music environment? Like what made you sort of feel like, oh, I can't, I can't really bring this up or I can't really bring that up? Well, um, it's very competitive um, and you feel as though kind of everybody around you is super successful, very confident, very extroverted. Everyone can handle the, the constant sort of like going out, going to gigs, the late nights, whether or not that's going out raving or whether or not that working. And you begin to feel as if maybe you're the person that's out of place. But it's not until people like certain DJs speak up about it on places like Twitter or I go to a conference and I sit on a panel with people that I've, I've really looked up to for a long time and they talk about their own mental health issues that it makes me feel as if I'm not the only person, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make total sense. And like you said, everyone everyone in the whole entire world has mental health and whether they have a mental health problem or a mental health disorder or just struggling maybe from time to time with their mental health, the, the more that we talk about it and the more that it gets open and discussed and brought forward. And like you said, working in the music industry as well, is, is there's something quite particular about it where there, a lot of events go on till fuck knows early hours in the morning mm. like four five six whatever depending on the type of event it's not necessarily drum and bass grime house techno whatever there's drinking going on for, involved with people there's drugs going on involved with people there's like you said having to keep this constant this constant even if you're working at an event like having to attend them each week and like your sleeping patterns fucked you might be on slight of come down after an event or you might be like on a hangover after an event mm. or stuff like that and then like you said at that combined with this this competitive market of keeping up appearances, keeping up face. Oh, how's this release done? What's this done? Oh, I've got to go to this event. Oh, fuck, have I got press coverage here? Da 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 da. Can build up, and it's only like you said when you when you discuss it and sit back and go, actually, you know what? I'm not feeling too good at the moment. Or like you said, just discussing it with people in the industry. As someone who works in the media, it might not be the music industry as well, but the media industry, having, having like you said, those big names come out and talk about it. And then that being the foundations for you being able to discuss it with your colleagues is, is something that I feel like, yeah, we definitely need, definitely need at the moment. It'll definitely help. And and any sort of little step that we can do towards that, even like having this discussion here and uh, might spur someone on to discuss with their colleague thinking, actually, you know what? I work in the music or I work in the media or I work with like this and my head's not all right at the moment. And I feel like that we, yeah, it's just, it, it's sort of a, a positive small step that we can take to um, to improve in sort of the, the playing field that there is at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Hannah, thank you very much for that. That has been really insightful and it's been great to hear about 
It's been great to hear about it, specifically from a, a drum and bass perspective and, and yourself working as, as someone in press and marketing. I feel like sometimes maybe that's a, a side of music that doesn't really get doesn't really get the attention it deserves. Because like you said, you're sort of giving coverage before the event. You're getting coverage after the event, coverage whilst at the event. You're working with artists, you're working with the label, you're working with tracks and releases and sort of without... Without that type of coverage, there'll be thousands and thousands and thousands of people that wouldn't have been introduced to their favorite artist, that wouldn't have been introduced to their favorite album, their favorite release, because there wasn't the coverage there in the beginning. So it's great to hear from your perspective about press and marketing at RAM and as your perspective as someone that's worked in the music industry for the last five years and as someone that absolutely loves a rave as well. Yeah, thank you for having me on as well. Listen, mate, I've told you once, I've told you twice, you know what I'm on the list. All right, all right.